0: Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Christy, And we're angel investors in Budapest, working together on Fintech Factory, an early-stage fintech investment fund backed by MKB Bank.
1: Each month, we get together to talk about investments and innovation in the financial sector and beyond with experts from around the world. In today's episode, we invited Ben Merrill. Ben's experience as a founder and his passion for entrepreneurship led him to co-found Brega. A founder-friendly European VC specialized in financing early-stage tech startups from pre-seed to Series B stage, 260 million euros under management. So Prior to that, Ben debuted his entrepreneurial journey by launching 54, uh, the first financial rating platform for SMEs in Africa, and then Rugby Division, a disrupted rugby bear brand. He began his career in corporate finance, working on large cross-border M&A deals and Series D Plus in tech for Macquarie Bank in London and Sydney. Today, Ben and Brega advise and finance highly promising startups such as Curve, Kuva, Exotech, Ibam First, Udelv, or 99 with the aim of propelling them to global success. Well, Welcome, Ben. It's great to have you on our show.
2: Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yes, as I said in my intro, you co-founded Brega, uh, you did it with your two friends, Francois and Max, and you were all entrepreneurs, you you had your own struggles with fundraising and uh, you wanted to create a VC that was kind of different than a VC that you would have loved to work with. So can you tell us a little bit about that story and about how did you found Brega?
2: Yes, of course. Happy to share the, uh, the journey, which like any entrepreneurial journey was a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, you know, as a reminder... I was not an entrepreneur. I am still an entrepreneur. And you know, I co-founded Briga and it's it's an incredible, it's an incredible story. So maybe to put this into context, you know, back in 2014, I was at a point where, you know, created companies and started investing my own money into other businesses and I had to raise money for businesses and, and and you know Francois and Max were investing their own money as well. So it was a business angel kind of cool, right? And back in the day, the ecosystem wasn't what it is today, right? Maybe the UK was a bit more advanced.
1: But the rest of Europe
2: was still, you know, lagging behind. And, and what really struck us is like, uh, when you look at the numbers and, and the quality of people we have in Europe, it's like, it's incredible to see all these engineers and managers of top U.S. companies, but it's, it's also incredible to see how our little advanced the market is in terms of tech. And when we looked at two of the most developed economy in terms of tech in the world, which are Israel and the U.S., they both both invest around 0.5% of their GDP to tech. At that time, continental Europe, you know, was at 0.05%. So like, you know, 10 times lower. So that's exactly what really turned on the entrepreneurial idea. Like, hey, we're at this stage. We've exited our companies. We have a bit of time, a bit of money. Uh, we would just love to build a different VC. The entrepreneurial world is going to explode in Europe. We're sure of that. How can we build something different? So we came up with this idea of. On a macro perspective, as I said, being sure that you know, the market's gonna boom and that's what's happening. I mean, there's there have been that many unicorns in Europe and a lot of successes. And on the other end, on a micro perspective, what can we build differently that you know entrepreneurs would like to engage with us? And that's where we came with this idea of a building an investment team that comprises of only entrepreneurs and everyone at Briga is a founder, and then building a strong operations team to be sure that it was just it wasn't just money and that we could build something different to the table. And that's how we came up with, you know, a talent team and then partnerships, marketing comms. And it's now a team of 10 people, you know, made 110 recruitments for our portfolio last year. EPS extended 72. I mean, it's, it's great. So we've been growing from zero to, yes, as I, as you said already, 260 million in management. There are big news coming up. So it's going to be more than that by the end of the year. And it's a great ride so far
1: yeah sounds great can you tell us a little bit more about how long did it take to set up riga and how was it like was it easy setting up this fund
2: (laughs) nothing's easy in this damn world and when you raise money on the other side of the table as a founder you're like oh it's painful and it takes time to raise money but bear in mind that you know the market is fairly well organized and you're raising money on something tangible, right? It's, it's, a, it's an idea, it's a plan, it's everything. What what we realized when we raised our first funded briga was that you come up, you, you come come to people, and you're like, "Hey, give me money for me to invest in tech." That's pretty much it, right? There's nothing else you can you can sell. There's a model, there's you, there's everything. But ultimately, you need people to trust you to invest their money into tech, successful tech companies. And so the way we operated, we said, okay let's start with our own business angels. So let's go to all the founders and the entrepreneurs and the CEOs and the we know so they can see us and, and be the first ticket into our fund. And, and the funny story is that as good entrepreneurs, we put ourselves under pressure. We're like, hey, you know, if we don't have the money by... I remember the time of the first fund, it's going to sound funny, right? But the, the first fund, um, we said, okay, you know, we want to raise 40 to 50, which at the time, you know, for a speed investment in Europe was big. And... But we need to a first threshold so if we raise 10 million by the 31st of march we're good to go and if not we'll drop it into something else and we met a bunch of people it was literally 400 different persons it was crazy just to get to that first 10 million mark which obviously last minute we were falling short a little bit so we had to put more money on our own and then we had to run around and, and build a an SPV for for people who wanted to invest from overseas. You basically
0: bootstrapped your own VC, right? So you were really taking the founder approach. You had to put in your own money (laughs) from the beginning. Exactly. I mean,
2: we really really took exactly that approach. We're like, okay, A, how can we build a fund without being regulated? Because regulation at the beginning is is a nightmare. So we kind of found a loophole in, in regulation, which was obviously legit. But like, you know, you could operate under a certain size, in a certain structure, which we did. So that was very agile. And then, yes, we went head down, business angel kind of mode, you know, we were uh, packing some subscription tickets and notices, and and then we're like, okay, we need to get to 10 mil. And and last minute, yes, we throw in a bit more. And as I said, we we went to, to launch a feeder fund overseas for international investors just to pass that 10 mil mark. So that was, yeah, that was a hell of a ride.
0: And now you're on your fourth fund. Is that right? Yeah. So which one was the hardest to raise? I guess that's when you're doing the first one, it's kind of just, you know, you got guts and gumption and that's what you do. But then the second one, maybe you can do with right away off the back of that one. But then by the third one, you kind of need to have some results behind you. Right. So how, how is that experience? Yeah, yeah you're right. That, that's
2: the tricky part of that job, right, is that you get the results fairly late right i mean it takes time to build a portfolio and show track record and be able to raise a second fund and that's why the vast majority of vcs in europe who you know, aren't entrepreneurs take the very classic approach of raising a first fund they usually do that coming out of, a, of another vc so they already have track record so it's easier and then they wait for four to five years then they can raise a second fund and so on and so forth. And we, we took a different approach as you understood it. It's like, you know, okay, how can we scale this? How can we, you know, make it a platform? Because that's the mission we set for ourselves. Like, how can we be able to partner with any entrepreneur at any stage of their journey, right? So we had to start somewhere and we did early stage, digital, continental Europe. Now we have offices in Paris, London, Barcelona. We do, as you said, pre seed, series A, series B. Like, it's, it's growing and it's, it's been growing fast. But this was intentional, right? You
0: wanted to be able to be, once you invest and you believe in a company, you want to be able to provide them the whole funding journey as much as you can, right? Exactly.
2: Exactly. And and be able to, you know, enter into the companies you would have missed at early stage, later stage and all that, like being able to be there and and be a point of reference for founders. And so, and so back to your question, I mean, the first fund was hard. Like the first one, as I said, I mean, 400 interviews to get to 10 mil. the rest to take it up to 250 right? So it was, it was hard. But then with a lot of work and a bit of luck, we got a, you know, an early exit and a pretty sort of helped us. And everyone's like, oh, maybe these guys out of their garage, they kind of know what they're doing. So it was a bit easier. And usually the second one is, is always a bit easier because it demonstrates some sort of growth. You know, it's still pay per valuation, so, so it's, it's easier in a way. I think then the, the following one, the third one, is usually the hardest because, you know, the third one, usually for normal funds or traditional funds let's say it's, it's 10 years down the line so that means that your first fund as exited already and if the numbers aren't good you either raise a third or you don't right? that's usually the the decider right so
0: but you guys um, did it in a little faster than 10 years and you already had some exits under your belt so for you maybe that helped
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, that helped i had had to each mean, it was uh it was part of the whole plan right how, how do we uh, as an entrepreneur, how do you scale this model right it's It's in theory a scalable model. like you know if it takes a, a certain number of people to deploy a fund and you know whether you do smaller rounds or bigger rounds, it's the same number number of people more or less, right. So in theory, you can scale that. You just need to be able to convince Lps investors to give you money. and that's the tricky part, right so you had to work hard at the beginning, and like anything, like sports or or, or business, you always need a bit of luck. And the good thing for us is we felt the market; we knew the market would be would be exploding, which which is the case, right?
1: So so it's good. Yeah. So so Ben, you also mentioned that you wanted to create a VC that you would have loved to work with. So my question is like, how do you work with the startups? How do you support the founders?
2: My recipe: um, tough love. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's what it is. It's like, you know, showing people that you're with them in, in, in the good and the bad moments of their uh, journey because there's a lot of people who are here to celebrate it right when you know, everything goes well, but not here when, you know, you're, you're down in trouble and, and, and you need to find solutions, right? So I think the way we try to, to behave with founders is always, you know, to be there when they need us. In the, in the good and the bad moments.
0: So they're and, not afraid yeah. of you as their investor. They see you as kind of peers in the journey. They're like, you get it. So they can come to you with the problems and not just you know hide in a corner until it's too late to do something about it, basically. Exactly. And, and they also know, you know, as I said,
2: tough love. I mean, you know, They know I'm going to kick their ass if I don't agree, but I'm going to do it fairly. I'm going to say, hey, you know, I disagree, so I wouldn't do that. Or I would say, look, I have no idea, so you know, let's give it a try and, and do the chance. But I think, yeah, the relationships I've been able to to build, and it's it's me and, and the rest of the team at Briga. I think, you know, there's a brand and then there's individuals and, you know, you can like someone in a fund and, and don't like someone else in the fund. I think at Briga, we were all different, obviously, but there's, there's a common ground of, because we're all founders, people usually get the same service, let's say, or same, same kind of relationship. you are like, okay, I'm going to talk to someone who's been there and knows that it's hard, so... Okay, you know, they may shake me up. They may, as I said, kick my ass from time to time, but it's always caring. It's always really good at, at, at what people are trying to do.
0: And then you also, I think, have a pretty unique approach to, I mean, you are providing services to your company. So it's not just there's the tough love and you're very active. And, you know, I think you said that you, everybody has an investor on their board. But what I think is, you know, can you talk a little bit more about kind of the actual you know, services and, and things that you're doing with the, with the operations team for all of your portfolio companies? Yeah,
2: well, it's it's part of the thinking behind, you know, how can we build a VC we would love to work with? And I think it's that thing where money on its own, well, there's two things, right? It's A, money on its own, it's a commodity. And B, there's no reason why a VC firm should be run like a firm, right? And this image of, you know, VC partners through the Rolodex, raising money, investing money, and, and supporting companies is, is a big dated. we think. I think it's, it's hard if you really want to be good at your job, you you have to specialise, right? And that's what we learned in the startup world. So why would VC don't apply to themselves when they learn or what they're trying to teach to others, right? So we thought having a, an operations team with operators who are experts in their space, who can help you with recruitment and organisation, you know, that would make a lot of sense. And why not having someone for partnership, for example, who can duplicate all those relationships with the Amazon and Salesforce and HubSpot of this world. The same for marketing and and growth and communication and branding. I think that's part of the whole thing. And this began to deploy over time. I mean, we started at the beginning, everyone thought we were crazy. To be fair, I think that's why we thought, okay, either we got it all wrong or there's something here. And um, now you know some funds are, are are getting into it. Obviously, you know in the US, and all all the, uh, the caveats around the the size and the success. But you know, Andrews and Horowitz have been you know following that path, and they had this fusion of building funds with the big big operators uh, alongside investors. We didn't know that to be fair at the beginning. And meetings with the institutional LPs where people thought, "Hey guys." A, you've never invested professional, professionally, and B, you want to build this model with operators. It doesn't make any sense. Right? So How is the two percent
0: fee going to cover all this? <laughs> How's, what's the yeah. business model here?
2: We've been, on, we've been on noodles for quite a while. To be fair, <laughs> <You> know, <that's laughs> on on having a, a founder approach to it. That's that's what we did. And that's what we did, and and, uh, and now scaling this up, it's it's so yeah, it's so cool. It's pretty cool. So I think yeah, we, as I said. 110 recruitments for our portfolio companies last year.
0: That's incredible. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I mean that's huge.
2: It's huge. Yeah. You know? So we we measure our NPS as well. You know, NPS is 72. I mean, it's, what it, VC it's, yeah. fund
0: does that care about their NPS <laughs> score? Right. So we do. We, yeah, we do. Yeah. Awesome. So what do you look for when a startup is pitching to you? Because you know, like we talked about, you have the inside you know, perspective, you've been a founder, you know what it's like, you know how hard it can be, but now you're kind of on the other side and I'm sure you you hear tons of pitches all the time. Is there a, a story you want to share about, you know, the best pitch you've ever heard or any advice that you can give to companies that are trying to, you know, stand out from the pack?
2: Look, I think ultimately it's, it's, it's a people business, right? So as I said, you, you can scale it up to a certain extent and that's what we're trying to do, but we also know that, you know, it's a people business, right? You, you, you decide who you work with, yeah, based on the brand based on the on, on the sur- uh, but ultimately the the relationship you're gonna build, the value you're gonna get both in terms of expertise, experience, and support. and that's why we built Briga the way we built it. So when you're a founder and you're raising money, just keep this into your head. I mean, the people business, therefore, you want to, it's a sales exercise. you want to, you're convincing people to buy into your story. To buy into your equity, which is something which is totally non liquid. So they're going to be stuck there for years. So you want to give them something that really changes their perspective on the future. So, you know, what I really get excited about is, you know, I had a sort of Garner curve for investing and super excited like any company, uh, like any technology zone, because I, I kind of feel like, hey, you know, well, if I was running this, I would do this, I would do that. It's an amazing industry, blah, 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 blah. And then I have to come down. And and be like, okay, hold a second, I'm not gonna be the one running it. So now let's get let's fall in love with the team behind it, right? And that, that's my approach to it. But obviously, if you want to create that link from the get-go, introductions is always better, you know, if, if I like any business relationship, I mean if I get introduced by someone I trust or I know it's a plus one, if you can really tease me with you know the future and, and how world-changing what you're building is, obviously it's a plus one. And then accountability, right? I think if you, you know, say what you do, do what you say, it's always better. And, you know, we only interact for a few times, but if you send docs on time, or if you say to me, you're going to do this and you do it, if you promise and over-deliver, all of that is part of building the trust that we need to be part of the journey. And yeah, investing is a bit of a marriage. So you want to be there for for long and and you want to make sure you can trust the people you are in bed with.
0: Yeah, well put. Okay, I think we are about out of time. Is there any final message you want to leave for us? Pitch to companies to apply for Briga? <laughs> Anything?
2: <laughs> no, man, for all the founders who, uh, who uh, you know, want to get in touch, send me an email at ben at briga.com. I'm, I'm happy to reply all the time. And for already a founder, I know it's tough. Resilience, sales attitude and resilience are probably, well, let's say three. Vision, sales attitude, and resilience are the three qualities I think are the best one to succeed. So, I know it gets tough sometimes, but don't give up. And there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And for the ones who are listening to us and have, haven't tried the entrepreneurial journey yet, uh, you know it's like a good old rugby game. You got to get beaten up, but you know if you win it, it's, it's life changing. So don't hesitate.
0: All right, awesome. Thanks for the inspiration. Well, it was great to chat with you today, Ben. Thank you so much for taking the time. And on your next trip to Budapest, we owe you a beer. So I hope there will be more than one. Yes, yes happy to. absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good one. Yeah.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next month for another episode of Beyond Fintech, where we discuss the latest trends in investing innovation in the financial sector and beyond.